It's Friday, March the 19th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, scorched earth in Alaska, an AstraZeneca jab declared safe in Europe. First, the world in brief. Senior diplomats from America and China held their first meeting since Joe Biden's election to the White House. The talks in Alaska opened icily, served with lashings of fire. Anthony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, accused China of threatening, quote, the rules-based order and thus, quote, global stability. His counterpart, Wang Yi, called America a, quote, struggling democracy that, quote, suppresses other countries. The European Medicines Agency deemed the Oxford University AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine, quote, safe and effective, following a review. Many European countries have halted vaccinations with the drug amid concerns that it increased the risk of blood clots. The World Health Organization also urged countries to continue using the vaccine, arguing that the benefits far outweigh any risks. Meanwhile, America said it would send 2.5 million doses from its stockpile of the AstraZeneca vaccine to Mexico and 1.5 million to Canada. Unlike America, both countries have approved the jab's use. The White House said the vaccines would be considered alone, with doses to be sent the other way, once American regulators gave the shot the green light. Mark Rutte won a fourth term as Prime Minister of the Netherlands. His centre-right party has remained popular with voters, despite a controversial curfew that triggered riots and a child benefit scandal that brought down his coalition in January. A record 17 parties are projected to win seats, with D66, a pro-European party, surging to second place. Mr Rutter must now swiftly form a coalition. Spain passed a law allowing adults with, quote, serious and incurable diseases that cause, quote, unbearable suffering to choose to end their own lives. It is the sixth country to legalise euthanasia, joining Belgium, Canada, Colombia, Luxembourg and the Netherlands. The law passed by the lower house of parliament is expected to take effect in June. Armenia's embattled Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan announced a snap election to be held in June. He has faced mounting pressure to quit since he ceded territory surrounding the Nagorno-Karabakh region to Azerbaijan last November. Armenia had controlled the territory since a war between the two countries in the 1990s, during the collapse of the Soviet Union. And the Turkish lira rallied against the dollar after the country's central bank sharply increased interest rates. It raised the one-week repo rate from 17% to 19% to slow inflation, which stands at more than 15%. Nasi Akbar, the bank's governor since November, has raised interest rates by 8.75 percentage points since his appointment, asserting his independence from President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. And now, here's today's agenda. The battered giant. Saudi Aramco's results. The world's largest oil company will report its annual results on Sunday. Every oil firm has had a trying year as COVID-19 sapped demand for crude, but Saudi Aramco has faced unique pressures. Its output is set by its main shareholder, the Saudi government. Its yearly dividend, promised to investors in the run-up to its initial public offering in 2019, is a gargantuan $75 billion. And the company remains the continued target of violence. Most recently, Houthi militias in Yemen launched drones and missiles against Ras Tanura, Aramco's largest export facility. Crude prices briefly climbed above $70, providing a rare bright spot. But the suspension of AstraZeneca's COVID-19 vaccine in parts of Europe is now stoking fears that travel, and therefore oil demand, might resume more slowly. 
that may prompt Saudi Arabia to extend production cuts. Aramco, like its peers, is keen for a return to quote, normal. That may be a long way off. Out of tricks. Japan's central bank. The Bank of Japan will announce the outcome of an important review of monetary policy today. A similar exercise back in 2016 produced a new policy framework known as yield curve control, which allowed the central bank to manipulate short and long-term interest rates through market operations such as buying and selling bonds. This time, the alterations are expected to be more modest. The basic policy will not change. The central bank will continue large-scale quantitative easing, pegging 10-year bond yields at, quote, around zero, and buying up exchange-traded funds. But it might tweak how it does so. Bond buying may become less regular. The targets for ETF purchases may be revised. The range for long-term investment rates may be widened. Yet the most significant feature of the new package could be its very lack of novelty. Though the bank remains far from its 2% inflation target, it may finally be out of ideas about how to remedy that. What counts? The census in Britain. The 2021 census for England, Wales and Northern Ireland takes place on March 21st. Most people will fill it in online. For the first time, it will include a voluntary question on gender identity. Censuses tend to reflect the issues of their era. In the early 19th century, war with France and worries about food supply meant a focus on basic population numbers. Modern censuses are more interested in personal identity. Questions on ethnicity were added in 1991, followed by nationality and religion. Discussions about what to ask can be fraught. This year, the Office for National Statistics published guidelines for answering, quote, what is your sex, based on the sex listed on documents like passports. This month, a women's rights group challenged the idea in court, arguing that it encouraged people to enter as their sex whichever gender identity they may have chosen without legal process. The High Court ruled in their favour, forcing the ONS to change its guidance. To go on and on. Congo-Brazzaville's election. Denise Sassou Nguesso has been president of the Republic of Congo for almost 37 of the past 42 years. On a continent where many strong men have clung to power for far longer than they should have, he holds the dubious distinction of being Africa's third longest serving leader, behind only his neighbours Paul Bia of Cameroon and Teodora Obiang of Equatorial Guinea. On Sunday, the Congolese will vote in a sham presidential election that Mr Sassou Nguesso will no doubt win again. During his decades in office, he has both removed the 70-year age limit for presidents, he is now 77, and changed the constitution to enable himself to stand in every election until he dies. Disturbing reports suggest that 100 tonnes of new weaponry was recently shipped to the country from Azerbaijan in case of post-election riots. The president seems keen to send a message that anyone thinking of protesting against the inevitable result should think again. Nothing to celebrate. Crackdown on Kurds in Turkey. Later today, Kurds will begin to celebrate Nowruz, a holiday marking the arrival of spring and the Kurdish New Year. In folklore, Nowruz commemorates their deliverance from tyranny. Most of the roughly 15 million Kurds living in Turkey probably feel hard done by on that front. On Wednesday, Turkish prosecutors applied to have the People's Democratic Party, HDP, the country's main Kurdish party, closed down 
and the Parliament stripped one of its MPs of his seat. In February, nine of the HDP deputies were indicted on rehashed charges of terrorism dating back to 2014, as were nearly 100 other defendants. In recent years, Turkey has forced the Kurds to postpone their dreams of autonomy in three countries. It vehemently opposed an independence referendum by the Kurds of northern Iraq, launched three military offensives against Kurdish insurgents in Syria, and locked up thousands of Kurdish politicians and activists at home. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Earl Warren, who was born on this day in 1891. In civilised life, law floats in a sea of ethics. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.